Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. Hey, listeners. Since recording these episodes on the Kruger's Dorp murders, we have been informed that throughout the episodes, we mispronounced the town of Kruger's Dorp. We apologize for any inconvenience that this may cause, as we do not live in this area and just simply transposed a couple of letters in our interpretation of it. We ask for your understanding and grace as you listen. Thank you. And welcome to our theme is just going to be deep, deep, (laughs) deep, deep sea diving, deep, as low as you can go with your voice on that, because there's a lot of information about to come your way over the next few episodes. So if you're a Patreon, you get them all right in a row. If you're not, you're going to have to wait or join at crimecuriouspatreon.com because we, I did a, a very, very deep dive into the Kruger's Drop cult killings. Very fascinating and terrifying and horrific what happens. And this is a listener pick, as a matter of fact. So thank you very much for this case suggestion. Yeah, thank you. And just to let you know with sources... So there is a documentary out there called Devil's Drop. They did, from my understanding, they did a really comprehensive documentary about this, but it can't be streamed in the United States. So if you're listening from other countries, you might be able to stream it. And you should, because I did listen to the official companion podcast to the documentary. And that's actually what it's called. It's called Devil's Drop, the official companion podcast. Very good podcast. Um, so is it like the same info from the documentary just in no, podcast or? No, oh. it is not. It doesn't. Gotcha. Nope. It doesn't tell the story so much as it is an interview style of some of the other people that are not key players into the main story that I'm going to tell you, but that knew these people had warned some of these people. Well, okay, gotcha. Okay. Some also some psychologists. There's a lot of information um, from the cult aspect of things. There's a whole episode on the psychology of that. So it's not the story in and in of itself. That I had to get from a book called uh, "The Kruger's Drop: Cult Killings" by Jana Marks. Very good book. It's about three hundred and some pages. And it was a very comprehensive coverage of this. I did not include all of that information. Um, I also took, of course, news articles and things like that. A little bit harder for us to find here because this is a South Africa case. So it it was a little bit harder to find articles in English. Um, Or that would translate with a translator well into English as well. In that regard, I was really grateful to have the book to kind of help sort out some of the facts as well. But if you're an avid reader, you like true crime books, definitely that one will keep you. Um, Jana does a really, she writes really, really well and engaging so that it keeps you engaged. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are all that stuff will be linked in the, the show notes, but just so you know, 
where I got some of my deep coverage here. This case, guys, because we're dealing with a cult, it's very interconnected and twisty. So I might repeat myself when I'm giving you people's names just to help you refresh and remember who the players are, who they are, okay? Because we're talking about 11 victims. We're talking about six perpetrators of the major key perpetrators. And there are some survivors as well that we're going to talk about. So there's a lot of names that'll be dropped. So I will try to help keep this as clear and concise as possible. This, this case, as I mentioned before, takes place in South Africa in a place that was nicknamed Devil's Drop, but the town is actually called Cougar's Drop. And it's an old coal mining town. And before I introduce people, I want to give you a disclaimer up front. We're going to be talking about Satanism, but not in how we traditionally over here in America especially think of Satanism. I want to, our major villain here is Cecilia Stein. She's the orchestrator of the murder, the chaos, and trust me, we are going to get into it. But it is her who first brought the mention of Satanism as the reason for these horrific crimes. And at the time, no one really questioned it, but... First of all, Cecilia is a liar. She's a criminal. And she wanted to throw Satanism under the bus as justification for her part in the murders. Furthermore, if you have ever researched the religion of Satanism, and it is not what the 1980s panic made people associate and think of with this religion. They do not kill and sacrifice. In South Africa, those who practice the religion of Satanism have spoken out about how offended they are that the world seems to be accepting Cecilia's claims that she was a high priestess in the Satanic Church and was leading under such religious practices. Satanism does operate under a high priest, you know, with the notion of different people being high priestess. Okay, that, okay. that part is true. But it does not practice the things that Cecilia claims. As a matter of fact, what she claims is a total contradiction to actual Satanism. And according to the official companion podcast to Devil's Drop, Satanism is not something that you are born into. It's something that you discover with maturity. It's a reflection of oneself and working on oneself. A Satanist will focus very much on making things pretty, such as their surroundings, because it keeps the energy clean. So their house would be very clean and decorated. So, quick question. Sorry mm-hmm. to jump in. But so with Satanism, does it even have anything to do with the Dark Lord? No. Or Because I think nope. maybe people, maybe that's where the misconception came about is because the the word, the name Satan is in it. But, but sure. from what you're describing, it has nothing to do yep. with, you know, worshiping evil and in all the things we we've heard that it is in the actual religion of satanism there are no deities there is not a deity in hell called satan who will burn you eternally if you're a bad person and there's not a god in heaven who's going to reward you for being a good person that's interesting so all of this kind of miss these misconceptions Probably yes. came from simply the name. It did, and I will get to that. Okay. I will get to what it means in their name because I want to give a very in-depth explanation of actual Satanism so that people can really see the distinction here because then it will make all the claims because throughout this all of these episodes, you're going to hear all these claims of the Satanic, of Cecilia saying that it's the satanic church doing this. And once I educate you a little bit on actual Satanism, you're going to be like, oh, wow, that really is a contradiction. I mean, from what you 
have said, it sounds like it's like not a bad thing or not a horrible no, thing. No. I mean, they like to keep their their home, their surroundings decorated really nice and keep it very clean because that provides that promotes clean energy. As you'll see, as I will tell you, Cecilia lived in a rundown apartment that was less than stylish. It was filthy and she wasn't working on herself at all. She was a very much an ugly soul. In the actual practice of Satanism as a religion, they are constantly working to better themselves. And, and they believe that there are many different indulgences within the self. Okay, so they believe in indulgence so without being consumed by it. So if you want a piece of cake, go enjoy it, but don't eat the whole cake. Don't eat a piece of cake every single day. Don't that be gets gl- me every time. Right. What do you mean, don't eat the whole cake? <laughs> I'm sorry, um, I don't understand. Right. But the, don't, okay. don't be gluttonous with the things that you enjoy, but also don't deprive yourself. I don't hate what I'm hearing. For sure. For sure. They also believe that you can love who you want, male to male, female to female, whatever. If you want to get married and have only one partner the rest of your life, wonderful. Do it. Live your life to the fullest. This is not what you will see Cecilia claim. They also treasure animals and children, the actual practice of Satanism as a religion. Treasures animals and children because animals and children are the purest because they have not been hardened by to life with things like race, racism, social etiquettes. They aren't bound by society's rules. They say, you know, children say what's on their mind, exactly what they're thinking. Animals do as their their natural instincts take them to do. So, th- so the notion, so to them, to the practice of Satanism as a religion, animals and children have the purest energy, which is yeah. what they're seeking. Yeah, okay. So the notion that Satanists sacrifice animals and children is a hundred percent contrary to their actual beliefs at all what cecilia is is a reverse christian or a devil worshiper or christian devil worship in that she believes there is a demonic entity called satan that overtakes and controls to make people do bad things none of these concepts exist within the religion in practice of Satanism. They are really quite tired of being so misunderstood, and rightfully so. The reason that it's called Satanism to begin with is because it's all about looking within yourself and improving yourself to live the best life. They do not have deities that they pray to, but they have what is known as archetypes within themselves. So if you, I'm sure you remember this from all your schooling with um, as I do, psychologist Carl Jung was actually the first to introduce this concept that there are archetypes that live within us. There is one for being a mother, one for being a friend, a sister, that kind of thing. So like there's friend Amber, there's mom Amber, there's therapist Amber, there's true crime podcast Amber. Many different hats. Many different hats. Those are your archetypes. All right. All right. Yeah. And so in the practice of Satanism as a religion, We have those archetypes within us, and the goal is to make sure that each one of those archetypes are living to their their purest, fullest, best potential, okay? The best mom that you can be, the best social worker that you can be, best podcaster, true true crime podcaster that you can be, okay? But there, within that archetype, there is called the adversary, and that is actually where the word Satanism came from is because Satan is actually translates into 
adversary. So the adversary within you is like, Amber, when you see something that doesn't sit well with you, that you don't think is right, you speak up and out against it. That is adversary, Amber. We talked on one of the episodes we recorded earlier today about how domestic violence is a big trigger to you and I. We speak very passionately about it. We feel very adverse to it. So that's a part of, of our adversary archetype within us, okay? And since Satanism as a religion is practiced so individually, they don't practice as a group, which is kind of funny how everybody thinks, oh, they're this satanic like burning. church. Mm-hmm animals at stake and like that's what I was taught growing up for sure it is not true at all even hearing you say the word I'm still like going back to my it just has such a bad rap it does it does so it really really does even when you say it I'm like but it's really only because of the name how Satan translates to adversary and the thing is is the individual practice of Satanism as a religion is that you should speak out If you see something, if it's offending you, if it's against you, whatever, you can be adverse to that. And that's okay. Actually, on the podcast, I interviewed someone who practices Satanism as a religion. And she's like, listen, the notion that we could all get together and like worship or be in one place weekly is ironic because we all speak our minds so much, we would never get along. It's an individual practice. It is not a group practice. Interesting. Yes. And you're learning like, so much. You're allowed to be whoever you want to be. There is not a heaven, there's not a hell. Just live to be the best person of yourself and your archetypes that you have each and every day. Keep your energy clean, keep your space clean. Um, recognize that children and animals have the purest energy because they are not yet tainted by society. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, that, that at the basis is what the practice of Satanism as a religion is, not the things that we are primarily taught, especially in the 80s, 70s, 80s, early 90s of satanic panic. Things a lot, mom and dad. <laughs> well, and where it, things get mixed up are when cults start bringing it in and they, a lot of people don't even understand the real word of a cult you know, and, and understand that in, in an appropriate tone either. So I needed to put that piece in there. And I will say I did stumble across a couple of other podcasts that like tried to do a very brief overview of these um, murders, which right away when I see the podcast is only 45 minutes long and you've got 11 victims, I know they're not doing an in-depth you know, thing. A super deep right. dive. Right. And they clearly didn't do their research because like, a couple of them right off the get-go were like, well, all of this was done in the name of Satanism and, you know, the devil made them do it and all this. And I'm like, no, you really did not grasp the concept. Cecilia Stein just wanted to use society's stereotypes of Satanism as a smokescreen. Okay, religion is not a part of these murders. It was an entire smokescreen to justify her revenge. And then later... And the other half of the murders to justify her financial gain that she's trying to get. That's it. Oh, okay. It is not. This was, it's a smokescreen. It is not a true, you know, anything to do with the actual practice of Satanism as a religion. And I just, I want all of our listeners to know that and, and understand that I under, understand that distinction. So if we have any listeners that practice that religion, I am 
I am not here whatsoever to say that this is what happened in this case. This was Cecilia Stein, who is got to be one of the most grotesque people I've ever laid eyes on. Please pull a picture up of her right now because her need for hair I'm gonna plugs. I'm going to do it right now. Do it right now. Her need for hair plugs will slap you so hard in the face that I just, I need you to see her the rest of these episodes. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. That's oh. what we're. That's what we have. That's what we're working with that's what here. We've got. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you're not in front of a Google machine right now, just know that she wears her hair high and tight, and um, she's missing quite a bit I, of it. It does look like you know maybe a little protein in the diet would be good. Um, More protein, less cocaine, Cecilia. <laughs> Did Cecilia love herself some cocaine? Any kind of the drugs that she could get on, but she wanted to, you know. Throw the satanic religion. I was gonna say it under does. The bus. It does appear as though Cecilia lived to snort things up life. her nose. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Life was maybe not kind to her. She wasn't kind to life. Okay, yeah. She's got that. She's got a little yeah. look about her. Yeah, she's she's so, hardened. That's for sure. I'm just saying it doesn't look like she's, you know, eating a well-balanced diet, <laughs> exercising five times a week. No, okay? but I will that's tell all I'm you saying. exactly what she is doing. Please do. We're going to talk about cults a little bit here. And I just want to let you guys know, too, that I recognize, like, there are cults where people just share beliefs. Okay, that's really all a cult is. You're a group of people that share the same values, share the same beliefs. A majority of them are just fine and do not harm anyone. And then and there's... You're flipping my world upside down today. Yes. I mean, it's just, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's really about a, a philosophy. You subscribe to a certain philosophy as the same group, you know, as the same philosophy as the rest of the group. And, you know, and that's where you have a cult and they're not all bad. Okay. So, like, we have a cult. We do. Our crime cult. Welcome to the cult. No, right. I don't know why you had to lift your shoulders up like a creep. I don't know. It, it, well, my old belief system. Again, thanks, Mom. We hear those stories. Yes. We hear the, the bad stuff. So that's in my mind. I've always associated cults and Satanism with bad things. Right, so right. No, that's why I'm really... lifting my shoulders. <laughs> right. No, you can be in a cult that is, that's not dangerous, that's not harmful. Many, many people are and they just, it's really about having a shared belief system and having a shared philosophy. When it gets dangerous is when you're not allowed to have your own individual thought anymore. And that is what is considered a dangerous cult. And I that's see. what we're talking about today. In a regular cult, you are just sharing those beliefs and philosophy, but you're allowed your own independent mind. You're allowed to throw ideas across the table, bounce them off one another. So like the cult you and I have formed between the two of us, our little crime cult, we bounce ideas off of each other all the time. Yeah. Sometimes we ask our Patreons for input as well. That is, that's all very normal. It's when one person now takes over and no one else in the cult is allowed to have a mind of their own, thoughts of their own, or beliefs that are different than the leaders, or else the result is death or huge punishment. 
that's when we're in a dangerous cult. So when the creepy old guy is like, you all have to sleep with me. Yes, it's a rule. That is the rule or else you're and out. We're, we're pushing boundaries and mm-hmm. getting to be unsafe. Yep. I'm going to lay out for you now who the murderers are so we can kind of keep it like straight. Okay. Okay. We have Cecilia. I need hair plug Stein. <laughs> all right. All right. And you said she is like the she, driving force of all of this. She is the leader. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. She is the leader. Her friend, Marinda Stein, who is not related to her. They just no, happen they just to have, have the same last name. All right. So don't get confused with that. Also involved are Marinda's teenage children. Now, I believe that it is Leroy as how it would translate to our language. Could be Leroy, could be LaRue. I've All heard right. it so many different ways that at this point I'm confused. Okay. We'll just we'll just <laughs> okay. leave it as that. Heard it lots of ways. So that's her son. That is uh Marinda's son and then Marinda's daughter's name is Marcel. Okay. All their last names are Stein, but again, not related to the leader Cecilia, just you know, just an weird, ironic, ironic twist. twist. Okay, but you know, maybe it's a popular last name in Africa, like Smith is here in America. Yeah, I, don't, I, I mean, don't it know. sounds like it could be. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard of it. So yep. And then there is John uh, Barnard and Zach Valentine. Also, Zach has a wife named Michaela Valentine. Uh, she both. Kind of takes part in a murder, but then also becomes a victim. So I put her on the victim list rather than the murderer list. I see. And we'll get to it. So the people in this case, although they were clearly capable of committing murder, might not have ever committed murder without the catalyst to carry it out. And that catalyst in this case is Cecilia Stein. But like Charles Manson, you're going to see that Cecilia never actually touches a single person to murder them. But just like Charles Manson, it's proven that without her influence, these people would have never murdered in the first place, more than likely. Oh, wow. That's, uh, these always just fascinate me. I know. Especially when I see Cecilia. I'm right? like, who's mm, following her? I'm good. And why? I, I'm going to go with a hard pass, but thank you. No. You know, thank you for the suggestions, but I'm going to get a go, go ahead and get the hell out of here. Right. <laughs> I just seeing her, I'm just no. like, oh, who's convinced? I don't know. Proceed. Right? I I know. <laughs> like, who's buying this? For uh, sure. But I'm eager to hear how this all plays out. Well, it started in 2012 when Cecilia infiltrated a religious group called the Overcomers Through Christ. I'm going to refer to them as the OTC from this point on because that's what they primarily went by. You down with OTC? Yes, that's exactly what I thought too. You down right, with I the OTC? To. I had to. Yes. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, Forgive sorry. me for who I am as a person. Overcomers Through Christ. Now, she joined with them under the guise of being in need of of deliverance from Satanism, okay? She was claiming that she was a high priestess in the Satanic church, and she needed out. All right. Okay. But, again, misconception, as you Absolutely. told us. Absolutely. 100% of the this of is Satanism. Fake. Yes. Okay. This is not Satanism. This is reverse Christianity. This is the Christian's thought of that there is a, a heaven and a hell, a God and a devil, and, the, and when you worship the devil— he has control over you. That is what she is operating under. Yep, not the same thing. 
So she's claiming that she needs deliverance. Okay. She's got demons. She's got them demons. And OTC's like, bring it on in. Absolutely. Yep. The Overcomers were a religious group that was created to help people, help deliver people from occultism and convert them to Christianity. Now I'm going to introduce another key person, Rhea Grunewald. Rhea was so negatively impacted by the events that take place that not only did she have to change her identity, but during the trial that we'll talk about many episodes later. <laughs> Several years when we finish. Many years, yep. <laughs> she still feared for her life so heavily that she refused to provide her new legal name or any information about where she was residing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this really damaged her this is this damaged a lot of lives a lot sounds like it yep for Rhea's backstory I will tell you that she was divorced in 1992 she had four children that she was supporting at the time and they went to private school when she got divorced their father was unable to contribute a lot due to his own struggles and in 1996 when Rhea was 52 years old she was a financial advisor in Florida Johannesburg because remember we're in South Africa so Rhea was a devout Christian. She went with a friend to um, East Rand in Africa where the friend actually invited her to attend an, a Christian-based training course about survivors of Satanism. There was a whole course on it. This course took learners through those who have survived the occult and converted to Christianity. And the course emphasized that converting or saving a person from the occult was not something that can instantly happen and it takes a long time. So Rhea Rhea was so inspired and she learned so much that in this same year, she was invited to start a similar course program Mm -hmm. in West Rand. So she quit her financial advisor job to do this. And she was actually so good at this that she started working with social crime prevention units and community policing. Policing. Um, Dark please, Lord, is please, that you? Please be Jesus. Please be Jesus. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys heard that, but there was like a loud crash right outside the studio walls. It was. <laughs> okay. We're just going to. Grandma? Is it grandma? Grandma? Ghost grandma? Okay, none of my children have, like, spoken up. That was weird. Charnel does have an old lady ghost. I do. I do. She's lovely. Um, Older lady. I mean, no disrespect. Please. <laughs> God, great. Now I'm going to be I'm sorry tonight. Yeah, I'm she, sure she's beautiful. She steals shirts sometimes. She just, she does some things. She has a sense of humor. But, oh, hi, there's a puppy. Maybe it was one of them. <laughs> works for not me. Not the Dark Lord. It works for me. It's just not the Molly. Dark Lord. <laughs> Okay, sorry about that, everyone. We're going to go with the cute puppy. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Mm-hmm. You rascal, come here. So, where was I? So, Rhea is so good at this that she starts working with a social crime prevention unit in, like, com- community policing forums. And she would help with police investigations that appeared to have connections with the occult. So, like, we're talking ritualistic murders that were committed by self-proclaimed Satanists. Okay, again, just reverse Christianity, not the actual practice of Satanism. So please keep this in mind as we go forward that Rhea is very, very deep in her belief system. Okay, she is very deep into Christianity and she very deeply believes 
that and, and has a strong education in helping someone convert from essentially worshiping the devil to loving God. Okay. Okay. She is then called to a crisis at a school and she helped a 50 year old, 50, a 15 year old girl. Big difference there. For sure. (laughs) 15 year old girl named Monique. Now this 15 year old was afraid to go home because she thought that there were people waiting outside the school that were going to kidnap her and sacrifice her on Halloween. Oh, wow. So she helped her overcome this by praying with her on what's called um, high nights and high days. Now, I skipped a little bit of information. She did call her parents and had her parents come and securely pick her up. But then she basically was like, let me counsel with her. I can help her overcome this fear of being sacrificed. Okay. They have what what's called these high nights or high days, which are days marked on a satanic calendar. Not the religion. Just reverse Christianity where certain rituals and sacrifices are said to be made to Satan. These are the ones my parents told me about. Yes. Yeah. Not real Satanism. So she, Rhea, in part of her her counseling, is she would come over on these days and nights, and she would pray with Monique. And she would help her overcome and see, you know, through to see the light. Uh All right? And there'd be no sacrifice. All would be well. So this, this sparked an idea to Rhea that schools are in serious need of her services. So this is where she birthed the nonprofit ministry called Overcomers Through Christ. The original and there it is. OTC. Yeah. That's where it came from. And they would do these enrichment weeks at schools to the and the point was to help learners become aware of the dangers of practicing the occult, of sex, drugs, rock and roll. You know, all of the dirty all, yes, stuff. All yeah. the other the sinning, the sinning the activities. Stuff. Yeah. The otherworldly dangers that God frowns upon. All right. So we're we're in these schools, we're teaching them about the dangers. Now Rhea actually made good money doing these enrichment weeks and got many sponsors. They love this idea. And in two thousand and seven, she was doing an enrichment week at Die Adlar High School where she met a woman named Marinda Stein. Remember that name? Oh, I remember it. Marinda. Marinda's the one with the two teenage kids. Marinda's a motherfucking school teacher. Oh, all right. Marinda remains a motherfucking school teacher while she's also a motherfucking murderer. Oh, gosh. We okay. hate Marinda. All right. Writing that down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Physically, or not physically, mentally. If you're doing a, a genogram chart or something to keep these people straight. Just remember that she's a school teacher. I hope someone out there is, in fact, doing a genogram as we're yes. doing this case. Yep. Got that Got that branch right there, Marinda. <laughs> okay. Teacher, that's, that's ironically so... teaching home economics. That's disturbing. Yes. Very disturbing. Oh, yeah. Now, if we think of a pyramid of shitty humans. Ron Haskell's up there. He for sure is. But in this particular case, it would be a fight between Cecilia and Marinda for which one should actually be the tippy the top, top of okay. the pyramid. So she is just as horrible. She is. As she is. Because she does end up super enjoying carrying out the act of murdering people. Whereas Cecilia just likes orchestrating it. Gotcha. She likes the power and control. So which is worse, you know? So here's this 40-year-old, really well-respected and Otherwise seemingly sweet teacher, 
Now, Marinda is so inspired by the enrichment week that she had been converted by Rhea, essentially. And she even quit smoking. Because, you know, that's one of those ungodly, dangerous things that were a part of the enrichment week. She's converted. This is one intense enrichment week. I think so. Rhea and Miranda, uh, Miranda, sorry, Miranda, are friends and working together in this group. Miranda is now a member of the OTC. Now, in August of 2007, Rhea gets a call that a woman named Cecilia Stein, who was 26 years old at this time, that she was a former Satanist and urgently needed counseling to help her leave the Satanic Church and the clutches of Satan. Ironically, Rhea was not the first phone call. Um, there was another gentleman who was overseas at the time that Cecilia was actually trying to reach out to, but since he was on, he, he wasn't available, he got basically like put through to Rhea. And it's just so sad wow. because this is the moment, August 2007, where Rhea's life gets ruined by meeting Cecilia Stein. Oh my gosh. And it was just the luck of the... Yes, the guy being gone. I don't know if he was on holiday or if he was gone for work, but he was overseas. When Rhea and Cecilia first met, Cecilia was married to Andres, but he was called Dry, like Dries, just Dries or Dries. They had a four-year-old son, and she was pregnant with their second child, who ends up being a daughter that was born in January 2008. Now, Dries or Dries, sorry, loosely translated here, was a police officer. A police officer. Cecilia is married to a police officer. Oh, wow. And she had been married once before, but it didn't last long. So from the very first meeting, Cecilia lied to Rhea. And that's really all she did to anyone. She was an extreme pathological liar. She told her that she left the Satanic Church in October 2006 and that she had been converted to Christianity, but she was still within the evil spirit's clutches and the satanic church was doing everything in its power to get her back because she was a high priestess. She was sought after by Satan. So she said that she was worried about a former friend named Andrea. Now, Andrea was a witch of the satanic church and her children were in danger and that they were going to be picked up from school by the satanic church and sacrificed if someone didn't help her. So Cecilia begged Rhea to help her save the children. Now, Rhea is doing what she can to try to make arrangements. Like, listen, uh, you know, strangers can't just come to a school and pick a kid up. Like, this is going to be okay. And she's trying to explain that to Cecilia. And she's like, no, Andrea knows. Andrea's a witch. She knows that her kids, she's, Andrea's trying to leave the satanic church. They don't want witches to leave. They're going to take her kids and sacrifice them. So Rhea is like on the horn trying to figure out where these kids go to school and trying to help and say, don't let these kids go away, you know, leave with anybody else. When all of a sudden Cecilia gets this message from an anonymous benefactor that said, I picked the girls up and they're saved. So all of a sudden she's like, Rhea, it's okay. I got this. Look at this message. They're saved. None, none of that happened. I don't think I even have to like say that. I think we all know none of that happened. This is just crazy already already strap listen buckle up buttercup because yes (laughs) strap on and get ready will do Mm -hmm. so let's talk about cecilia a little bit all right i've given you just a a snip yeah do share uh jana marks in her book did an interview with cecilia with cecilia's parents and i do encourage you to read her book for the full details but 
Her parents were two very normal parents that worked hard to provide a good life for their children. She did not have an abusive childhood. At least there's no evidence to suggest this. No record anywhere. Anybody that they, inter- you know, of the family that you interviewed, she did not have bruises, did not have any other red flags, nothing like that. Um, her parents now, to this day, have to live an entirely secluded life because of any place that they go in public, they will have things things thrown at them oh after what gosh. their daughter ends up doing. Finding work is very difficult for them. Her dad explains that Cecilia was always a very headstrong kid, but one notable character about her is that no matter what she what she had to be the best and the smartest in the room, and she often often told people that she graduated school really early, when in truth she really just dropped out. Oh my. Yeah, she, something to know about Cecilia is that she was very insecure, very insecure. So she would hide those insecurities, like with narcissism, essentially. And so if you and I were talking to her and we were like, oh, yeah, we're social workers, she'll be like, yeah, I have a degree in social work. Ah, okay. So just kind of blending in and kind of one-upping If One-upping always. If you had a traumatic incident, she's going to come at you with three others that that she lived through that was way worse. We all know someone that we're picturing right now in our minds. That's Cecilia. She sounds very, like, unpleasant to interact with. For sure. Exhausting. Yeah, exhausting. Yeah. For sure. So at one point, she claims to have had seven doctoral degrees. And she was wow. telling Rhea this. And there was a lot of Rhea's friends that were like, think about it. She's in her 30s. Time does not even add up there that she'd have enough time to complete seven doctoral degrees. Yeah. And in all those degrees, she didn't get hair plugs. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> we we couldn't afford some Rogaine, huh? Right. All right. She claims to be a 42nd generational witch, which of course makes her one of the most powerful witches naturally naturally yes it does and they go in the book and to explain how she like deduced all this and the logic is like a narcissistic word salad that you could just never follow you're just like um um it's like a ping pong ball (laughs) bang 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 and you're like what wait what no no just (laughs) i give up i'm done that's her big claim I also will throw out there that she claimed that she had dis- dissociative identity disorder. There is absolutely no psychological evidence of that. And you will find that Cecilia makes a lot of false claims. And it is clear that she definitely had personality disorders for sure. But definitely not DID. There's actually a lot of research out there about how a lot of serial killers try to initially claim that they suffer from uh, dissociative identity disorder. And... Psychologists are like, actually, we've never seen a serial serial killer yet that has legitimately been diagnosed with that because they don't need to disassociate from their trauma. They enjoy all of their murder. Right, right. So. Yeah, interesting. I know, I did, I, I kind of went down several different rabbit holes on that and was like, ooh, this is, this is very interesting. But there's many different times in her life where she claims that she's being a certain personality. In the book, they go into detail with all the names of the personalities. At one point, she claims to have over a thousand personalities. Okay. Oh, my. Yeah. And I just, there's so many names in this case that I'm not going to give you. There's one of her personalities that's a a key role that I will tell you, but the rest of them, 
there is more detail in the book about them, but they, there are different, just different things. If it suits her, then she's that personality because she needs that personality at the time to justify what she's doing. I see. None of it is real. So she never actually got diagnosed no. with that. It, to the contrary. Through, the, okay. No, to the contrary. Through the psychological evaluations, like, they determined, no. no, you do not suffer from dissociative identity disorder. You're just a really horrible person. She so certainly, used, like I said, she certainly has personality disorders, but it is not dissociative identity. So she used that and the religion. Mm-hmm. As smoke screens. Okay. Yep. All right, I'm up to speed. To completely separate herself from all the wretchedness that she, and manipulation. Oh my God, the manipulation. I just can't wait to get it all out of my brain into your guys' ear holes. (laughs) All right, now I will say that it's definitely possible that she, you know, we've got multiple axes here for her eventual diagnosis. I never really came across what they- Like a solid diagnosis? No, no. It's just you and I both know that- Someone that is manipulative to this degree, to a Charles Manson degree, is not without mental illness. For sure. (laughs) For sure. So anyway, what happens is Cecilia develops a strong relationship with Rhea and began influencing Rhea. Now, Rhea is a lovely, just Just trying to convert. Yes. And help. a, a, A helpful Christian here. Now, can I ask... I mean, with Cecilia, was it her intention to truly get help from the beginning? No. Okay. I like was I didn't know if there was some part of her that actually did want some help, but I it was all about attention. Okay. A hundred percent attention. That's why her very first meeting with Rhea was about how she was, you know, she left the satanic church in two thousand and six and now her friend, the witch was going to have her children sacrificed. It was 100% just an attention grabber. But it slowly over time transforms, and she ends up feeling very powerful from her her whole connection with this. It, you'll, you'll see the way it manifests. Gotcha. But it is always about her wanting attention. It's the attention. Mm-hmm. Okay. She is one of those frequent flyers in the emergency room people. Ah, uh, okay. For no medical reason. So it so it was just one of those things where it was like, um, that the reason I asked is because like did she go with the intention like I need help and then her personality disorder just pulls you in or but it sounds like it was more just to create she, these Yes, scenarios these, for, atten- yeah, for the attention. For the attention. These chaotic, she lived in chaos. Everything about her was dramatic and chaotic. Gotcha. And so that that is the long and the short of it is she saw her opportunity of I can get, I'm going to get attention today for this. And it she develops this relationship with Rhea and it spirals. I'm, so, I'm exhausted with her already. Oh, yes. And I haven't even dipped a toe in yet. I mean, we're still just contemplating jumping in the pool. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Rhea genuinely believed that Cecilia was a high priestess with the Satanic Church. Oh, Rhea. She genuinely believed that. And she genuinely believed that she was going to convert Cecilia to Christianity. So with Cecilia's narcissistic, manipulating personality, she taught Rhea all about the Satanic Church and Rhea even begins building a curriculum about it to start teaching others. Because think about these enrichment 
weeks that she was doing at the schools where she had all these sponsors to do right. at the schools where she's teaching youth about the harm of the occult and the harm of sex and smoking and getting involved in all this dangerous behaviors that sinners do, right? Right. So here Cecilia is with all of this knowledge because she's a high priestess in the satanic church, right? So she can teach her so much because, you know, Cecilia is denouncing the satanic church. She's converted to Christianity. So now we can learn from her. Right, like what an opportunity. The secret. Here's the key person to, when you feed into all of your sins. Yes. You lose your hair and you (laughs) (laughs) become this horrible person. Satan takes every other one of your hair because if you see her picture, she still has every third hair. There is like a thin, (laughs) like wisp of yes. A hair-like presence. Right. <laughs> so she, you're right. It's like every other hair. Yes. Satan's going to just take every other hair and leave the others sticking straight up, apparently. Yes, very straight up. If she chose a different hairstyle, it wouldn't be noticeable at all. You're and, right. I'm going to look again, yeah, but you're any, right. Anyone who suffers from, you know, female pattern baldness, I am so terribly sorry, but she purposely styles it to make it, well, for attention. Yeah, even just growing it out a bit. Um, would help. Yeah, yeah. Nothing's helping her face. Though. Um, She's just a cold stone, stone cold bitch. But yeah. So, right. so I just wanted when you think about this. So here she is. Here Rhea is thinking that she's really tapped into a resource, right? So she starts building this manual, this script called "Know Thy Enemy." All right. Sorry, I just got distracted looking at their photos. I see that. Like, oh, God, where am I? Whoa. The deep hole of the internet. Oh, my God. There's a lot of them. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. so she starts building together with Cecilia this curriculum called Know Thy Enemy. And it's based on completely on what Cecilia has taught her. Okay? She told everyone that she's been trained by her father, Cecilia, says she's been in the occult for 25 years by her father known as Mr. Brand. None of this was true. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm Not just taking it all in here. Not a lick of it. And, and Rhea's over here just like, we're going to save people. Yes. Right? Yes. Like her intention was pure with 100%, us. 100%. 100% pure. She's believing all of it and it's just like... I'm going to create this manuscript and this manual and we're going to teach week. Yes, we're going to teach courses yeah. about this. So she told Rhea stories of un- and not just Rhea, a lot of people of unthinkable childhood abuse that she never sustained as part of, you know, like sacrifices for Satan. She spoke of her witch mom who was called Mom Elise who had control over all of her personalities. Okay, Mom Elise had control over all of her personalities. I'm just over here, like wanting to hug Rhea. Uh, I know, My I know, sweet, sweet child. I know, she's a 52 year old woman. Oh, <laughs> bless her! Right, right. Bless her pure heart. Right, for believing all of this. Well, shit. here she has this this 26 year old girl that's pregnant, and you know has a four-year-old son and her husband's a police officer and she seems so convincing and seems to have all this knowledge. Sure, sure, sure. Telling her that she was buried alive 
as a child with nothing to breathe from but a tube and a hope. I added the hope part, but still. Um, she probably heard about the other girl in the box. Right. And got that idea from a true she, horrible crime. Um, interesting that you say that. We'll find later much, much of her information came from Google searches. Oh, my gosh. So, so I may not be far off. Right. Now, remember, dangerous cult leaders will isolate you, deceive you, and then destroy you. They also know who who to prey on, and it sounds they like she sure hit the gold mine with my precious sweet Rhea here. Yes, a hundred percent. Now, and other members of the OTC were warning Rhea that this is what Cecilia was doing four years before the first murder even happens. Okay, many other people could see her for what she was, and when she realized, as soon as she met someone and realized that she couldn't du- dupe them. She gone. She was done. She goes right, to them. Because they're not feeding into it. Correct. You you it's like you know, Amber. Do you work I know with parasites? Like right. I know parasites. No, I don't mean yep. to because I do work with people, but I mean, yes, you No, definitely but this can is tell. what they do. If you do not buy in to what they're selling, then they know they can't get anywhere with you. They can't manipulate you. So you don't exist to them. Right. And so Rhea, there were many a times where Rhea was trying to set Cecilia up with other members of the OTC that could help, like pray for her and help her. But if it was someone that Rhea had identified, or that, excuse me, Cecilia had identified as, I can't manipulate them. This is the best part. No, not the best, but this is one of the best parts. She would make up these fake parameters for herself that she couldn't travel to cross. Otherwise, a death curse would be activated and she'd die immediately. Oh, my. And so she's just like making this up as she goes. As she goes, yes. And some of it will come back and bite her in the ass, as a matter of fact, as we'll see many many years later when I tell you the rest. But, yeah, she... She's like, oh, you want me to go see Pastor So-and-so? Oh, Sorry, Mr. Brand has put these perimeters in place, and if I cross over 100th and West Street... I'm dead. Bam. I'm gone. Bam. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Rhea's still like, hmm. Yeah, that's terrible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll pray that death curse out of you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the relationship between Rhea and Cecilia really becomes one of mother to child. And Cecilia does this on purpose to make Rhea feel responsible for Cecilia and her well-being. Okay. She told Rhea that she had over a thousand personalities and that each one was a demon possessing her to bring her back to the satanic church. Now, she has named all of her fake personalities, and yes, now, after the fact, we know that they're not real, like she I said. She named all of them? No, I don't, not all thousand, but oh. she all of the key players, uh-huh. Cecilia comes to Rhea and tells her that the Satanic Church wanted to sacrifice her, but since she was no longer a part of them, they were going to have to sacrifice Mom Elise. And you should also know that witches from the Satanic Church send text messages to Cecilia and Rhea all the time. So that's cool. I didn't didn't know demons and witches were so up to date on their technology. With technology, why wouldn't they be? But they're like, we super love that the world has evolved like this because this is so much easier than just popping right into their house. (laughs) I can just send them a little SMS. Right. Rhea had started getting text messages from witches in the satanic church. 
They were all just little burner phones you that were what? bought by Cecilia. Chanel, I think you're making this story up. <laughs> Amber, I wish I was this fucking creative. <laughs> this is just so crazy. If and you I told was, me it was crazy. I did. You told me that. If I was this creative girlfriend, I would be writing books. Books. For and sure. And be a millionaire. Okay. All right. But I'll instead, believe you. But... I just have to have other people live this shit and I relay it. This is just, I just, I mean, bless yeah. Rhea. I think it sounds like she was like really, truly in believable, in, believing right, it. Right. But. And in her defense, she had no idea that Cecilia had literally tens and tens of burner phones that she was sending text messages from right? pretending to be satanic witches in the satanic church. She named all of them too. She'd be like, hi, this is Lauren. Hi, this is blah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The night of Mom Elisa's sacrifice, Rhea got a text message thanking her for everything that she had done for Cecilia before her sacrifice. She also had time to write a very long and detailed note on how Rhea should care for each one of Cecilia's demon personalities. Oh, my gosh. Now, this was tr- like the first murder then? Or the sa- no, it's or it was not just a real made up murder. Mom Elise does not exist. Okay. No. <laughs> this like, is, is, is this really a this, sacrifice? No, or like, this is re- This is Cecilia sitting on her fucking couch texting Eating Rhea. Cheetos. Texting. Hey. Snorting cocaine. What's up? It's, you know. Yes. Hey, this is Lauren. You know, the demon from the satanic church. I'm going to sacrifice Cecilia's mom, Elise, because she left us and we can't get her, but we're going to get her mom. Yeah. This is insane. For sure. I do picture her eating Cheetos. Hey, it's Beelzebub or whatever. <laughs> Beelzebub. I know that's like the Satan name, but Beelzebub, is that it? I don't know. Pardon my ignorance, but Pardon I just mine, picture her like eating you... snacks. and Yeah, she's not. she doesn't work. She's not doing anything else. I'll Google it. She is just literally Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Yeah, I had no idea. Yep. Oh, Beelzebub? Maybe it is. Maybe I'm making Elsie? it too complicated. Let me see. Again. Beelzebub? I don't know. Message us. But, <laughs> but that <laughs> Help liter- us. That is literally what she what she is doing. Is she's just uh, I just my heart breaks for Rhea that truly believes all this is well, getting these messages. You get these messages and they are from a different number and it's not dawning on her. That, you know, she's knowing, known Cecilia to be a genuine converted Christian. And so she's who's, you know, somehow someone's getting her number, right? And sending her these messages. And it coincides with everything Cecilia is saying. So why wouldn't she think otherwise? Right. The other thing that I need to tell you right now is that Cecilia has her prey on her high nights. You know, remember the high nights and the, the high days from... Monique, the 15-year-old schoolgirl. Oh, yeah. And how Cecilia would sit with her and pray because those were marked days on the satanic calendar that blah, 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 sacrifices were made. Right? Yes, yep. Okay. Well, Rhea introduces that to Cecilia, that she's going to pray for her on these high nights and high days. All right? But Cecilia takes it to the next level because during it, she is on her bedroom. A lot of this stuff happens in Cecilia's bedroom because I want to point out she is married. And instead of oh, actually yeah, I keep having, forgetting that. Right. She's married and has children. But she does not pay attention to them. She's very abusive and very horrible to her children. And I didn't jump into a lot of that for this. But her husband and her, they don't sleep. Like, he sleeps out in the couch. He lives out on the couch playing video games whenever he's home. 
they lived, they were roommates. Like, they weren't married. He ignored everything. I think he knew how fucking crazy she was and what an intention seeker she was. So he ignored most of what she did. Meanwhile, she's got people coming in and out of her bedroom. This is where most stuff takes place when I talk about it at Cecilia's apartment. It is her fucking bedroom. That is so crazy. That's like where computers and the TV and and everything was set up. So people are coming in and out of there and her husband's just like, yeah, I don't even care. For sure. I don't want to know. A bunch of members of the OTC on these high nights and high days to pray for her. They stand around her bed holding hands, praying for her. And she's laying in the middle of the bed convulsing. And she escalates to the point where she's vomiting up blood and she's spitting blood everywhere and speaking in these tongues. And just picture this, you guys, of how crazy if you're seeing this would happen. We find out later in court documents that you want to know what that blood was. I do. I was just wondering, like, what did she do? I'm going to I'm going to drop it right now. She would take herself to a secluded area. She'd take surgical gloves because she was in the hospital all the time. So she'd steal this shit. Okay. She'd take surgical gloves. She would draw her own blood, put it into these the fingertips of surgical gloves, cut the gloves, and tie the tips of the, the cut part of the finger so it's like a little balloon. She would put those packets into her mouth, and during these high nights and high days, she would break the packet open of her own blood I'm not going to lie. That makes me want to vomit. Oh, it's Just thinking horrific. of like old ass blood yep. in your mouth. Oh my God. Yep. I, I just, I heaved a little bit. Yep. And just spitting it profusely for show. Gross. So this was all pre-planned. Like, oh, I'm going to need that for my demon night. Yes. My high night. It's a high night. I'm going to go, I'm going and getting my oh blood. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Wow. So. Now, but picture yourself as a member of the OTC and you standing there, you firmly believe in demons taking over people's bodies. Right. And you're praying. And it seems like the more intense your prayers get, the more intense this body reaction is happening to this person that you're trying to save from the occult. Right. I kind of. And now they're spewing blood everywhere. I would kind of probably have a moment where I'm like, damn, I'm good. (laughs) I just prayed that demon out of her. We are converting (laughs) like a mofo. (laughs) Like, you know, they were probably like, dang, this is working. For sure. Absolutely. Just kicking ass and converting to Christian. Kicking ass for the Lord. Yeah. Like, they probably had a moment of, like, pride. Yes. And this happened multiple times in a month. Okay, guys, this wasn't like a... All right, we're getting carried away here. This isn't a Halloween thing. Like, (laughs) like, oh, the high night is Halloween. No. Various times. Multiple times in a month. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Wow. It even gets to the point where members of the OTC are all assigned a day to Cecilia. Like, this is your day. They probably were getting exhausted. They're like, we got to split this up. Right. This is your day off of work. Like, they had it in their own personal lives, their own work plan. Thursdays are my day with Cecilia, so I don't work on Thursdays. Instead, I'll work on Saturday to make up for the time on Thursday. Someone was watching her and with her day and night. Look at what she did just by entering their experience, just like pulling. The attention uh, seeking. Just creating this whirlwind, just simply entering this this experience with the OTC, like pulls them completely in. This is the most exhausting form of personality disorder that is absolutely like I can't take it. It gets so I'm just like 
I would be one that she would like have to ignore. She would ghost you. Yeah. Cause you would be able to see through it. It's just energetically too much for me. Like I can't handle you. I can't. Most definitely. So, oh. And keep in mind, on top of all these needing to pray for, because there's always a satanic uh, emergency, there's also medical emergencies. I love so that. So she's a satanic a, emergency. A satanic emergency. But, and then she's having these medical emergencies where she's being rushed to the hospital for no reason. Okay. At all. Oh There's my nothing, gosh, she was, there was it, never a medical diagnosis wrong with her at all. Must have been constantly just thinking whatever she could. Well, I get. imagine she was also doing a lot of drugs. Oh so, yeah. There, I mean, I forgot. she loved the cocaine she and loves the other cocaine. things. Yes. Yes. She likes, and, and guns, she liked to, to wheel and deal the drugs and the cocaine. Okay. And guns. Oh wow. So she's got a lot going on. This girl is an entrepreneur. For, for sure she is. <laughs> Yes. Wow, I forget she's that she's very, like wheeling and dealing as well. She's very important and very busy, Amber. Yes, yes. Lots of connections. Lots of connections. So. Satanic emergencies. On, <laughs> I love that. On the night of Mom Cecilia's sacrifice, okay, and she delivers this long detailed note to Rhea, right? That night, Cecilia was lying hysterically on her bedroom bedroom floor crying and telling Rhea that her body had astro-projected to the sacrifice. Because remember, she's a 42nd generational powerful witch after all. So (laughs) astro-projection is no big deal. Right? NBD, I'm just going to go ahead and astro-project myself. I'm leaving my body. Yes. Oh, my God. BRB. I'm going to exit my body right now. (laughs) Oh, this is getting, it's getting good. Yep. So she's crying and saying that she watched them burn mom Elise alive at the stake. So she saw it happen. Basic Google search right there is where she got all that. Salem witch trials. I mean, ever heard of it? A time or two. (sighs) This bitch. Cecilia tells her that when a witch is sacrificed. She is able to bequest her matriarchal rights to someone else. And guess who Mother Elise chose? Mm, Tell me. Rhea herself, of course. And there is one particular personality slash demon thing that lived inside of Cecilia that Rhea really needed help taking care of. And that was Anja. Whenever this personality was activated or upset, Rhea is to be on call for Cecilia. I will post the photographs that I have, but there are photos of Rhea cradling Cecilia to her breast to calm her down like an infant when she was pretending to be Anja. And even crazier. Don't tell me that she breastfed her. (laughs) Please Um, don't. No, not that I found, but she did buy a perfume for Cecilia or for Rhea to wear that reminded her of mom Elise. Wow. This was one of her manipulations. You'll find there's someone that I will introduce in another episode that she actually forced her to dress exactly like Cecilia. This is just Yeah. I cannot believe this woman concocted all of this. She could have been the next Stephen King. Really? If she she could have like wrote, wrote, wrote it into stories instead of making it her life. If someone would have just helped her find a creative outlet. Yes. Agreed. Cecilia's like, oh, Anja needs me. I'll throw on the Mama Lise perfume and come on over. I, I mean, day or night, beck and call. That's 
Wow. Now, when Cecilia, or excuse me, when Rhea had attended her that original course about converting someone from the occult, and she had learned how long it can take, this was her her dedication. In her mind, this was all a part of still helping Cecilia convert to Christianity and keep her out of Satan's grip. So she was doing, you know, what she really felt was a service, a ministry right. to this woman. Right. And I do believe she was like fully trying to help her. Right. Yep. She did. And I, as I said, keep in mind, her husband is still in the apartment. Like, <laughs> this is my favorite part is he's just like playing video games. He is. And it said that several no big times. Deal. He liked to just play video games and go to work. Rhea's like cradling her on her breast like in the bedroom he's like going for the night shift to see uh yeah oh my god poor Rhea after all of this like unfolds it's I would just be playing the you know the rocking in my head like oh my god I practically breastfed this woman for sure for nothing yep thinking I was being a good Christian and converting her from from Satan Satan's clutches poor lady I know when her second child, a daughter, was born in January 2008, she told everyone that she was a descendant from an ancient ancient werewolf line. I would have it no other way. Right. Of course. I would be disappointed if she didn't. Show me her little fangs. <laughs> I want to see them. But don't worry. Those come up in a minute, too. Oh, God. Oh, God, no. Yeah. There are so many messed up details about things that Cecilia was teaching her children at such a young age that they get to the point where they sit through her fits, continuing to play their video games or just doing whatever they were doing while she was literally convulsing on the floor, claiming she was astro projecting to the freaking moon. And yes, that is one of her claims at one point that she visited the moon. So they're just like stepping over her. Yep. Yep. They get so desensitized to it, Amber, which is exactly what her husband did. Too. It's just like this, okay, I'm not going to feed into it. Remember how I said the fang thing, the werewolf fangs? Uh, yes. There are even photos of Cecilia on a computer camera that she had, like, called. Okay, Rhea had called, or, or not. it's not just Rhea. There are other members of the OTC as well, all right, that she's, like, Zoom calling with, pretending to be a werewolf. And you guys, I'm going to post these photos. But you can clearly see that she's wearing Halloween, like, fake teeth. No. She converted. All right. I, I have it on my phone. I need to see this. Hold on. She converted herself to a werewolf via Zoom. Oh, God. No. <laughs> There's werewolf, no. werewolf Cecilia. Nobody's questioning that this isn't happening in front of them, only over Zoom. I, <laughs> I can't. I can't with this woman. Yes, like, did she go off camera and then come back up with it? She popped him in her mouth and came back up and was like, werewolf. Could you tell? I, I had, hope in that voice, too. <laughs> I had the teeth in. I'm a werewolf. I'm a werewolf. <laughs> How did they? I, 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 I don't want to judge. I don't want to judge. I'm just picturing, like, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, falling out. <laughs> and she's talking, <laughs> It's horrible. I can't even close my mouth. Pray for me, please. <laughs> I can't. Pray for Again, her. I mean no disrespect to the people, the good-hearted people that were trying to help her, but but guys, like what? Here she is. <laughs> like it's. I mean, you saw the picture. It's real. I will post the picture. 
You guys. Does, does anybody ever speak, um, like, after all this unfolds about how they felt that was in, like, in it? A lot of them changed their identities, Amber. I know. I'm with you. Right. Rightfully so. Yes. Um, I will tell you, I do say this at the end, but I'll say it right now. Um, they had, the state had 166 witnesses and only like 52 that had 166 witnesses that had deep information. They could only get 52 to testify because so many people were so emotionally and physically broken from I what they had been through. I believe that. I do. Mm-hmm. If they got wrapped up in this mm-hmm. to this degree, I am sure they were truly just exhausted, yep. traumatized. And Even probably thinking of it, they just couldn't yes. do it. Nope. And there are so many of them that are so deep into their beliefs as well that they still fear for their life from the satanic church. My gosh. Pray these things away. Please. Oh my gosh. I can't Help even. Her. I can't. <laughs> Help her. God dang oh. it, you guys. <clears throat> so, this is just great. It's just yep. great. Satan turned her into a werewolf. Where does Satan and werewolves even, like, I just don't think that even Satan is probably over there. Like I got I, nothing. I guys. didn't do it's this. Not, you this guys, is not me. This is not me. I left her teeth alone. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna tell you about someone that I haven't mentioned yet. We're in it. We're gonna introduce a woman named Candace. Now Candace ends up being Rhea's uh, best friend and lover. There's some spec. Oh, speculation. Okay. Okay. So in this role. She is much more willing to look the other way when she sees Cecilia's lies and deception because there's feelings involved, all right? She met Cecilia because Candace actually knew Rhea when Rhea was a financial advisor. Remember when I told you when, uh, in 1992 when Rhea got divorced, she was a financial advisor? I do. So actually in 96, when she started with her ministry courses, she quit her financial advisor job. Well, uh, Candace was into like graphic design and she made a lot of graphics for Rhea's company. And so they knew each other and they were friends. And so Rhea introduced Candace to Cecilia. Now they kind of like hit it off right away, Cecilia and Candace. And what ends up happening is Candace becomes so intertwined with Cecilia that Candace was trusted by Cecilia to like do the Google searches. So when she was helping Rhea write that manuscript for Know Thy Enemy, uh huh, it was Candace doing the Google searching. Oh my God! Plot twist. Right. How so we she had know, an assistant in this. She did. How we know about the the glove, the bloody glove fingertip thing, is because Candace was with her. What? So Candace knew that Rhea was a heavy attention seeker. Excuse me. That Cecilia was a heavy attention. But she seeker. was like okay with it. Feelings were involved for her. Okay, so she got it. The co- she codependency was, was like off the charts. Yes, she was enmeshed. Like okay, yes. I get she it. She's in in love with her. Oh, I'm sorry. I know it's so hard to fathom. And so I gotta see Candace then. I she, I you know, I don't know. I have a picture of Candace. I uh, don't think she's Candace anymore. Actually. Identity change. Um, Actually, I don't think that's her real name to begin with. Oh. There was a (laughs) lot of people whose names are changed. We're going to get to some police officers later who, for legal purposes, can't even be named. Wow. Yeah. This shit was deep. 
<laughs> Very. We are deep into the shit. People. I don't even know who I am anymore. No, I know. am I Charnel? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. And imagine me doing all this research while my while I was sitting with my husband in the hospital going, what the fuck? And he's stuck in this hospital bed at the mercy of me telling him all of this. He loved it. I'm sure. I'm sure he Every did. Every moment. I am sure. Every moment. So the copyright holder, this you'll find very interesting. So Candace was the one that's like looking up all of that knowledge about the occult to share with Rhea. So that Rhea can put in her manual for Know Thy Enemy, right? The copyright holder was listed under one of Cecilia's personalities, Xena. Oh, God, no. So Xena holds the copyright, but it was Candace who looked up all the information. And Cecilia would tell Rhea that it was her knowledge, you know, from being the high priestess, of course. Um, Candace was like, um, I really don't feel right that Cecilia is taking the intellectual property from the searches that she did and claiming it as her own. But she, Candace, did the d- design of it, and so she holds the ca- the copyright actually for like the design on the manuscript. Mm. She did. Candace did reach out to Rhea and let her know that the manuscript, the Know Thy Enemy manuscript, seemed to go against the original point, which was to help you know per- get people away from the occult, and instead it almost seemed like a manuscript on the occult. So, like, you see the difference. Like, it's like teaching people about the occult instead of teaching people why you should not be in Right, the there's a fine line. Yes. Now, Rhea did not heed the warning, and essentially the manus- manuscript was more like a whole lesson on, you know, reverse Christianity. Let me tell you about the... Do you... Was was this her intention, do you think, to, be, to like, introduce it? Or just still... A, no. Or still just attention-seeking? I think this is just... I have gained attention. Now I'm becoming like a leader in the OTC. Okay. Says Rhea is regarding me, is feeding into it, and she's regarding me as being really intelligent and, and the best. So it, it is, it's feeding I'm just into keep going. all those needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Candace later testified about what a chaotic attention seeker that Cecilia was, but at the same time she didn't pay it mind because of her emotional romantic feelings that were involved for her. Even still, this manuscript was used as a way for Rhea to teach lessons around the area like she was doing with the enrichment weeks. And they really started getting people that were just interested in the dark and the macabre rather than like people interested in ministry. Gotcha. You know what I mean? They're like, tell me more about this. They got the weirdos instead of the people that were like, hey, I'm interested in, you know, helping people. Right. Get out of the occult life. Poor Rhea. <laughs> She's just yeah. like trying to live this, you know, noble life. They and- even had some people come to these sessions who claimed to be Satanists that wanted to learn how to become a high priestess like Cecilia. And in the book, there is some weird shit where she like pulls people aside and is like, mm, I can see, I can see into you. You have, you have evil spirits all over you. You need seven more prayers for that evil, that demon to get out of you. Oh, my God. Like, she was doing that. She'd touch people, and she would be like, oh, you're free. You're you're cleansed. You don't have any evil spirits. Oh, my God. You you have ten evil spirits in you. Just making shit up. People are seeing this, right? She started, Rhea started making appointments for Cecilia to meet with people, as a matter of fact, because she could see these if they were harboring demons or not and so now 
I'm going to reintroduce the school teacher, Marinda. Oh, yeah. As I mentioned earlier. I forgot about her. Mm-hmm. Rhea moves in with Marinda for a, for a while because her time and attention became so consumed by Cecilia that she was no longer making a lot of money doing her enrichment weeks. Oh, my God. So she, like, lost her... She did, and even worse, Cecilia sabotaged her sponsorships for those enrichment weeks. They cut they cut her ties. Oh my gosh. Yep. So because Cecilia enjoyed working with Rhea on this Know Thy Enemy manuscript. All right. The enrichment weeks were taking away time. Oh, yeah. From because Rhea had something else that didn't mm-hmm. involve Cecilia. And I really think the reason that she honed in so heavily on Rhea is because she could see that Rhea was buying into what she was saying. Oh yeah. So Rhea, for a brief period of time, did move in with Marinda and her two kids, Leroy and Marcel. And at that time, like Rhea really did get along very well with Marinda's children and enjoyed. She only lived there, I think, for like four months. But I will mention that in in another point in time, this goes on for a span of years, which is why we're doing multiple parts of this, this case. It gets to a point where Marinda and her two kids move into the same apartment complex that Cecilia lives at. So they're right there. Rhea did move in because she was hard on her financial, you know, financial times. This is how, like, they all become so engrossed in trying to help save Cecilia from the satanic church. I am so over Cecilia. Oh, we're not even 10 pages in yet. I'm just so over her. And I'm on page nine. At that time, Marinda knows Cecilia because her and her children are helping, you know, with the prayers and all that on the high night. So these teenage children, Leroy is 12 and Marcel is 10 when they are first exposed to Cecilia. And I will just tell you that this ends with Leroy being 21. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And Marcel being 18. Wow. So they're exposed to her for a very long time. That's unfortunate. At the time of the first murders, Marinda does make her children help carry them out on Cecilia's demands. And at that time, when we'll get to it, Leroy is 16 and Marcel is only 14. Oh, my gosh. This is a shitty human pyramid, right? Who's on top? We don't know. Shelly Kotek. Uh, vibes. I know. I t- I think I text that to you that this is oh, maybe like, you did. This maybe is Shelly Kotek with a religious spin. Yeah, she didn't use religion. Shelly didn't, but but she had this that Shelley- whirlwind that mm-hmm. she would just pull you into. Yep, chaotic attention seeking. Cecilia's mo is that she's terribly sick because of the demons. The demons are making her sick, so she is constantly being rushed to the hospital and needing Rhea and the other members of the group's help. But she also needs financial help, guys. Oh, what are you? I'm going to call into work that way. I'm just going to be like, it's the demons. It's the demons. I'm sorry. I'm sick. I'm sorry. Yep. She cannot afford the medical bills. And if she does not pay them, then the witches and the members of the satanic church are going to make bad things happen. Oh, my goodness. So she convinces Marinda and Rhea and others of the OTC to help financially support her all in the name of if this doesn't happen, then either I will die or children will die or other bad things. She would name all of these different people. Oh, this is my friend, my witch from which friend who is converted to Christianity from this church. We are, if we don't do this, then her children are going to die. Is it really this easy? <laughs> right? Well, she had to buy a lot of burner phones to make these text messages and stuff happen. But. So she's putting her own finances into this charade. She needs some oh, money back. Amber, honey, she, everyone that gets heavily involved in this 
is handing over everything that they make to Cecilia. Oh my God. This is what a dangerous cult leader does. She was convincing because she would set things up like text messages, emails, all of that. And also her visions. So she would harm herself and claim that it was her father, Mr. Brand. And I'll post photos of her back where she had like a bunch of cuts and self-inflicted punishment and stuff like that from Mr. Brand. I believe the the cuts that happened on her back, uh, Candace was actually like a part of seeing her, like helping her do all that. And she was like, okay, this is kind of getting a little bizarre. Anyway, the classes for Know Thy Enemy are being held in small sessions within the limits of Cecilia's death curse radius of course of course right they are going well people seem to be learning a lot about the occult but she can see that Rhea is getting all the praise and attention so she oh uh oh no she started kind of making a scene getting a little little too much with her lying on the floor flouncing around like a fish we all need to be extra sometimes yes yes demons are consuming me okay gotcha yeah, Rhea couldn't get too much attention, so. No. Right. But now we need more people to prey on these high nights. Uh, of course. Because it's just not, it's not working so far with Marinda and her two kids. So now I will introduce, actually, I will stop there. I'm going to stop there. In part two, I'm going to come back and introduce to you Zach Valentine and his wife, Michaela Valentine, and their part in all of this. So Okay. You have given us quite a bit to digest. And we're only 10 of 30 pages in. Wow. There's so much more. So tune in on Friday. I do have a brain bath for you, though. I have a cute yes. little ditty. Let's, let's please Ooh, have one. I just one. opened my phone up to the f- picture of Cecilia as a werewolf. I'm a werewolf. <laughs> I'm a werewolf. Pray for me. Oh, God. It's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. T-shirt. It's a T-shirt. Can we just get a T-shirt of us wearing the things and just slap it up there? Yes. Like how ridiculous this really, really is. All right. This is my favorite story of all time. Okay. Okay. Good, and good, good. I probably should have saved it for like the very end of this series, but I can't. I'm so excited to tell you all about it. Uh, This was sent to us by a listener, and it's from OregonLive.com. The title, Friendly Foul-Mouthed Crow Befriends Entire Oregon Elementary School Before State Police Are Called In. You have my attention. Did you know that crows and ravens can talk? No, I didn't. They can. Let me tell you about Cosmo. This just happened last year, like Thanksgiving last year. A friendly, if somewhat foul-mouthed, crow became a temporary mascot at Allendale Elementary School in November when the bird took up residence at the Grants Pass School. This crow showed up at our school just out of the blue one morning, said Naomi Immel, an education assistant at Allendale. Over the phone, she did a phone interview on Thursday. Uh, well, not this past Thursday. You know, right. doesn't matter. A year ago. Whatever. Last fall. It... She said, it began looking into classrooms and pecking on doors. At one point, it made its way into a fifth grade classroom where it helped itself to some snacks. (laughs) Emel said, the bird wasn't aggressive at all and seemed to love kids. It landed on some people's heads. And she added that it spoke. The bird could say, what's up? And I'm fine. And a lot of swear words. What? I didn't know they could talk. Me neither. It was like a parrot, she said. It was the weirdest thing. 
Still, because it was a wild animal that couldn't leave, or that wouldn't leave, excuse me, the school called Animal Control. It was quite the production, ML said. Animal Control came out and decided that it was not their jurisdiction to catch the crow. Oh, wow. Then a wildlife officer from the Oregon State Police came to the scene. That officer was able to feed it from its hand. They didn't... (laughs) This part is fucking scary. (laughs) They didn't want to net it because if they missed, it would remember. (laughs) I had no idea that I should be so scared of crows. (laughs) It's never going to forget this. It will remember. You'll never catch it then. Oh, my gosh. Um, we only get one shot. Right. And then it, it's very unforgiving. Amel, uh, or according to Amel, all the grades, all the grades, <laughs> all the grades came out to witness the attempted capture of the talkative crow. The crow seemed to enjoy the attention, playfully change, chasing kids around the track. We thought it would fly away, but it didn't. The kids were like magnets. Ultimately, the wildlife trooper was unable to catch, capture the crow who spent the night of November 29th outside the school. Crow oh, just stayed wow. there. It turns out talking crows aren't just something out of an Edgar Allan Poe poem. And this crow, or possibly a more in line with Poe, Raven, shows that it ha- knows at least 40 words. It knows a lot of words, I'm not going to lie, said Daphne Colpron uh, Cole in an interview. His vocabulary has expanded quite a bit in the last few weeks. Colpron knows a good deal about the crow, or possibly Raven, who also may be a female, because her mother, so this um, Daphne Colpron, her own mom rescued the bird about two years ago when it was a baby, bringing it home to the family's farm in Williams from a shelter and named it Cosmo. The family has dogs, including a mastiff named Tonka Trunk Truck. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Cosmo will say, Tonka, you come outside. Or he'll say, dogs out. Sometimes <laughs> he does use profanity, Colpron added. So Colpron's mom's name is Janelle Sh- uh, Shattuck. And Janelle thinks that Cosmo's a part of the family. In the mornings... This. In the mornings, she said, he will go right to my bedroom window and say, Mom, wake up, wake up. Aww. And there is a daycare in the neighborhood that Cosmo loves to visit and loves the kids. So as soon as he found out what time the kids got there, he'd go over there and hang out at the daycare. This is so cute. I love the story. Shattuck is a rescuer of animals, but Cosmo is extra special to her. She considers him a free bird, but also has a close attachment to him. And so when he disappeared after she came home from an out-of-town Thanksgiving, she was devastated. She said he's like a person, not a bird. And at first, Shattuck was concerned that Cosmo had been killed. It seems that while some neighbors loved Cosmo as much as Shattuck and her daughter Culprin, Not everyone was quite as thrilled with the talking bird. Cosmo isn't aggressive. Everyone involved with him agreed. But, said Culprin, if people are scared of Cosmo, he finds that a little funny. (laughs) This bird has a personality. He is feisty. Yes. He will get obnoxious, she added, saying that he likes to tease people. 
While the family was gone for Thanksgiving, they said a neighbor captured the bird and took him to a local animal sanctuary. The sanctuary, not realizing that he was used to humans, released him, likely in Grant's Pass. So, must be he didn't talk to the sanctuary people. He was probably like... You fucking people. Yeah, I don't trust you. So they're just like, oh, a crow. We'll release it. When he was out, he started looking for home, causing quite a stir in town. Oh, he was just searching. This is my favorite. Cosmo would sit on top of Planet Fitness (laughs) talking to people who were going in. I love him so much. (laughs) I love him. He just wants a home. Talking to people that are going into workout. (laughs) I love this. Shatok said he was looking for me, and she posted on Facebook about the lost bird, hoping to find him. After following a family friend in a truck, Shatok and Culprin think that he recognized, like out of town, you know, when he was sitting on top of the planet fitness, (laughs) fitness harassing people going in. They think he recognized one of their neighborhood's trucks that went to the school. Okay. And so Cosmo followed the truck and ended, that's how he ended up at the school. And he loves kids. So he Uh stayed there because he's used to the kids from the neighborhood. He went to the only kid that I know in Allendale and knocked on the door. That's when he pecked on that fifth grade classroom. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. When he was in the school, he was jumping around saying, it's okay. I'm fine. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm you I I'm fine. It's okay. I'm here. Yeah. Take me back home. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's the, where he found the snacks in the 5th grade classroom. That night when the kid relayed the story of the talk, talking crow to his father, the father called, you know, the neighbor Shatog. Colpern went her daughter Colpern went the next day to collect Cosmo. It took about 45 minutes of me offering him sardines, she said. But she <laughs> she petted the bird and waited until his eyes were closed, and then she grabbed him. Because, you know, otherwise he'll remember. You'll right. never get to grab him again. Right. Culprin thinks that he's happy to be home. He hasn't been back to visit the neighbors who captured him. Uh, but while the story of Cosmo, the talking crow, or raven, and his or her family is sweet, Oregon State Police would rather that you don't take the wrong inspiration from it. We don't want people making pets out of wild animals," said the spokesperson. "If they haven't, if they hadn't contained this bird, it would have been a wildlife. Oh, if they had contained this bird, it would have been a wildlife offense. But since he didn't, Cosmo he's a, didn't he's live. Free. Yeah, Cosmo didn't live in her home. He just came and went as he pleased. Right. So she wasn't. He just always him. came back. Yeah. Yep. Because he and, and learned words. It's just, I had no idea. I didn't either. Also slightly terrified that like, (laughs) if you ever need to catch a crow, don't fuck it up because they'll remember and you'll never be able to catch them again. Oh my gosh. That is such a cool story. I know. I love that. I love it. I'm fine. It's okay. I'm fine. He's just (laughs) jumping around this fifth grade classroom. Yep. And apparently knows a lot of profanity, but they didn't mention which ones. I, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Do you think... You know, when the Planet Fitness people, I hope he wasn't like, fat ass. Like, (laughs) please tell me he wasn't being a dick. Fuck off. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. For sure. Uh, It sounded like he liked to provoke a little bit, so I wouldn't be surprised. He he had a, a, a spicy personality for sure oh that's great so there you have it hope you enjoyed that and uh strap in guys because the next couple of parts of this are in 
insane, as if this wasn't already. So on Thursday, um, we'll talk to you again. If you're a Patreon, just head on over to your next episode because that's your perk. And uh, you can sign up, crimecuriouspatreon.com. And until next time, everyone, TTFN. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>